0: Hello, everyone, and thanks again for joining us for another edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. In case you were wondering, yes, indeed, this podcast has a new name. Originally known as Marketing Nerds when it launched, and most recently known as Search Engine Nerds, now this podcast is officially the Search Engine Journal Show. Our goal is to have a new podcast out to you every week, uh, featuring interviews with the top experts and authorities in the field. Brent Satoris and I will alternate weeks, Brent will uh, be talking strategies and tactics with his guests, while I will continue my series interviewing well-known SEO and marketing pros about their career journeys. And we've got another great one coming up for you in just a minute. Uh, Before that, I just wanted to put out the word that if you'd like to help support the Search Engine Journal Show, we're now open to accepting a few select advertisers. If you'd like to promote your brand or product to our audience of thousands of listeners, we can come up with a package that works for you. If you're interested in advertising on the Search Engine Journal show, be sure to head over to shopsej.com and reach out to us via the contact link there or you can head straight to shopsej.com/contact at shopsej.com. You can also learn about all our other advertising options. So offer takeover packages, email blasts, ebook sponsorships, and so much more. So if you'd like to reach our audience of more than 1 million uh, monthly um, SEO professionals and digital marketers, you can find out more about becoming an SEJ partner at shopsej.com. In today's edition of Better Know and SEO Pro, I'll be talking to Melissa Fosh, who has been in the industry for 15 years. Melissa is community and social manager for PubCon and is also the US blog editor at SEM Rush. She is the former editor of a little publication you may have heard of called Search Engine Journal. She has also been editor and community manager at Moz, uh, social Jedi at Authority Labs. And she has contributed tons of articles to uh, at all those places over the years, among others. Uh, she's also the owner of SEO Aware. In addition to that, Melissa has been a volunteer at Big Cat Habitat. Uh, you can always find Melissa speaking at HubCon conferences, both in Las Vegas and Fort Lauderdale. And if you ever do get the chance, I highly highly recommend checking out uh, any session that Melissa is speaking at. Uh, Melissa also won the 2017 U.S. Search Personality of the Year Award at the U.S. Search Awards. And you can find her on Twitter at SEOAware. Melissa, welcome to the show. It is great to have you here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, it is great to have you. Um, and I want to kick off our interview by talking about uh, November eighth of twenty seventeen, uh, the night of the U.S. Search Awards. Uh, I know. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, I know it's a it's a night I'll never forget. Um, so just let's just take take everyone back, and you can sort of set the scene. So you're sitting at your table, and they're about to announce the Search Personality of the Year. Now, uh, our did you have any idea of what was coming, or were you even thinking that you might win at that point?
1: No, what, what happened was about, I don't know, two weeks before the event, Brett, uh, the CEO of PubCon, told all of us, we ought to make sure we look right and look nice, because we're all going to go on stage for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay. And I was nervous just about that. Ah. I'm one of those people that might fall on the stage, you know, going up for graduation type of thing. (laughs) Uh, So um, everybody was dressed like fantastically. So I just assumed we were doing something as a team. Um, So then it was announced and uh, I I was just shocked. And then you're like, what do you say? Because I didn't have time to plan. And um, then, of course, my klutzy self gets on stage and drops the award. (laughs) Um, but, and then you can't see anything, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: what was nice about it was, I mean, the award was great. It was nice that it was voted on. What was more touching to me is that when I came off the stage, a bunch of people came Mm -hmm. up and hugged me and said, this is how you changed my life. Mm
2: -hmm. This is
1: what you did for me eight years ago. Things I didn't even remember
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that made me feel like, you know, If I do nothing in life, if my name is not remembered from anyone, I help these people with jobs or with something else. Mm -hmm. And that was what was fulfilling to me.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, it meant a lot to you winning that award, then. Because, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, obviously you deserved it, but it was also kind of groundbreaking, too, because you were the first woman uh, to win the award. So, did that have extra special meaning for you?
1: Um. Well, I mean, it meant a lot to women, you know, that they mentioned it to me. And um, so that was nice. <laughs> it yeah. never occurred to me that I wouldn't go to a woman. But um, I tend to be, as you have known me for years, I'm just me. I mean, I live in Star Wars t-shirts and <laughs> cat t-shirts. And um, I'm not afraid to be me. Uh, And, uh, but as they said, when they gave me the award, it was for what I had done for the community. And that's what mattered the most. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have like a a most special moment, like either like during that, uh, the award ceremony itself, or was it maybe something later where, you know, maybe someone, uh, came up to you and said something or, um, just anything that sort of sticks out the most that you'll always remember from that night that just sort of surprised you aside from winning, obviously.
1: Two things, two people, Rob Woods came up and hugged me in tears, Mm. which I was like, wow. And then Topher Cohen from the Weather Channel. Mm -hmm. He came up and hugged me. And what he said to me that night sticks with me today. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to share it because it was his private thing. But, um, you know, you don't realize how the little things you do matter to so many people, you know, Yeah. and I'm a, I'm big on being kind and being nice and being accepting as I can with people. And, um, I guess that meant more to people than what I thought.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a really awesome night that I will always remember. So, um, it was okay. much deserved as well. So I'm glad that was, uh, you know, that, that was something you could experience. So, all right. So, yeah, so that's sort of, a uh, I don't know if that would say that's your ultimate career highlight, but you know that was one that I witnessed, so I thought that was a really special one. Um, is there something you know? Would you consider that a career highlight, or is there something else maybe that you would consider like a bigger deal than that one?
1: That's a career highlight. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big moment, but um, even from the time of being at SEJ mm-hmm. or uh, working with PubCon and uh, working with authors that I work with now. Seeing them, people would come to me with their articles and I would help them make them better. And then they would they would get published and they'd get um, attention in the SEO community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it helped build their reputation. And I like seeing people blossom and grow. Mm-hmm. You know, like when people are at PubCon and it's their first time speaking and they're terrified to speak. And I mean, I can't tell you how many... Hands I've held, <laughs> people <laughs> that have cried, or um, and then they get up there and they kill it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but uh, Rachel Meyer, the first time she spoke at PubCon, she was a little nervous, and I was her moderator. It was the best presentation I heard the entire time I was there,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: knew this this lady is going to kill it from this point forward. And that's the part that I love. Mm-hmm. I love awesome. seeing seeing people break out and become, you know, like an authority. I, mm-hmm. I love that. That's what I love about everything I do the most.
0: Awesome. Cool. All right. So now I want to go back, actually, to the start of your journey. Um, so sort of everything that led up to the Search Personality Year and, of course, to today because you're still doing great work. Um, you're, you know, obviously your great greatness didn't end on that night. But um, So, yeah, let's just start at the very beginning. So I always like to start by asking, you know, what were you like as a child?
1: Feisty. Feisty. I, I actually grew up in a very conservative charismatic Christian home
0: Mm -hmm. interesting I was
1: allowed to watch black and white TV and Little House on the Prairie um I never I stood out and wasn't really overly welcomed because I didn't understand why people would not be nice to gay people or Mm -hmm. when when AIDS hit in the 80s I was like well we need to take care of them while people were you know what I mean I was always the the black sheep, I didn't quite fit Mm -hmm. and I bucked the system a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, I am who I am. My husband calls me punky Brewster. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of, that's always been me. I, I didn't really conform and I'm glad that I didn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was kind of me as a kid. Cool.
0: Did you have a sort of dream um, from your younger days of you know what you wanted to do when you grew up, or was that something that um, sort of materialized you know later on?
1: Psychology was always my focus. I loved psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, I took classes in high school to prepare for uh, classes in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a little detour, and that I. I married the guy I'd been dating for four years. Nine days after I graduated from high school. Oh wow! Mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: I had a a child when I was eighteen.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: started college about two or three years later, but jumped right into psychology.
0: Awesome. Okay. Um, and also, as a child, did did you have any sort of an on brand moment or something that you did? You know, the sort of a sign that eventually you would. Get into the SEO and like editing and content field? Is there anything that sort of sticks out as, uh, you know, from your childhood as, you know, just sort of like predestiny of sorts?
1: I love to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a kid, I, I read everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's what it was. What shocked me was the final year of my master's program in mental health, they one of my classes offered uh they said choose a project and you could write yet another 30-page paper or you could do this and I already had four 30-page papers. So wow. <laughs> I, one was build a website. So I chose build a website. Um and I built it on GeoCities, remember that?
0: Oh yes. <laughs> Love GeoCities.
1: <laughs> yeah. I built a um, psychological resource for my city.
2: Oh, very you cool. hmm
1: And I was hooked then. hmm I had already done my internship, um, and I was just about to graduate. Uh, but I loved it so much that now don't laugh because <laughs> – So I also knew I wanted a second child, but I didn't want to have a second child while I was in college. So I planned it out so – my children are 11 and a half years apart mm-hmm. and I waddled across the stage of getting my masters like 8 months pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow. So mm-hmm. when um, when I had my baby I thought, "Well, I don't want to leave this baby to do two more years to get my license and, you know." So I read online, "What is your best skill every professor loved that I wrote?" Mm-hmm. really well
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so I started offering copywriting services and other things online I got hired by a lot of people because they needed content for their websites okay mm-hmm. then I started seeing how they were trying to optimize the content and it seemed funny so I started reading about SEO mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I started creating optimized SEO copywriting you know um, and it just kind of all snowballed from there it was clients and then clients that needed websites and clients that needed monthly SEO. And then, you know, it went on and on and on. And then, um, you remember 2008 we had the economy fell apart.
2: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I was burnt out with clients and, uh, Lauren Baker approached me about being an editor at SEJ.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I thought, man, I could you know, it wasn't the SEJ that it is today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, it needed some love and attention, and I thought, like, this will give me a break from clients and let me chill a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then it kind of – I've never really worked with a lot of clients since then. Mm -hmm. I've worked for bigger companies and a handful of sane clients.
0: (laughs) There are some of those out there, are
1: there? (laughs) They're hand-picked.
0: Yeah, gotcha. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, but yeah, so it's all been, it wasn't really in childhood. It was more when I was getting my master's.
0: Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. so um, one of the questions I got from, uh, the audience was from Bill Hartzer, uh, your good mm-hmm. friend. He wanted to know, um, now with that background in psychology, did that help prepare you in ways for, uh, the marketing and the social media marketing that, you know, you ended up doing later on in any way? Totally. Okay. how yeah. so
1: I use it every, well. I mean, I've looked at things a little differently, and and how. So I've studied sociology and decision making, and uh, you know how people think, how they make choices, how they learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So everything I've always done in marketing, and in every piece of content I ever put together, was not simply to sell a product, but to integrate how I'm going to reach a specific person that I know can actually pay for the service. To create the need, the want, maybe a little bit of fear if they don't,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm.
1: um, and do it in a delicate way so that they don't realize they're being sold to. Because when you're in therapy and you're helping someone, you can't just tell them this is what you should do. It's mm-hmm. all how you phrase it so they can come up with their own conclusion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not allowed to give advice in therapy. So it's more about what you say that leads them to that point. And that's what I've always done with the content. Um, I see a lot of people talking about personas and and they have for years. And, um, you know, like I mentioned this in the SimRush chat the other day. Um, You remember when I started volunteering for Big Cat Habitat? Yes.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They they didn't have a Facebook page. I created one. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And what they needed was people to come out and pay to show up you know, to to pay to see the big cats because they needed money. Mm -hmm. I didn't go on Facebook and sell. I sat out at Big Cat and took pictures of lion faces and tiger faces and liger faces and and posted them. And in a year, I had 50,000 people.
2: Mm. Wow.
1: And so they went from five or six people coming a week to, when I was there, about 150 people coming a day, which later led to... I mean, they can have five to eight hundred or a thousand people a day. Well, now the cats are properly (laughs) fed and cared for, you know, like Mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about donations or anything. So it's really more about what the people want and how you're going to provide it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Bill mentioned uh, social media and psychology, and that's a whole nother thing, uh, because if it's customer service. I would say that the counseling skills I had um, came in very handy, especially when I was at Moz (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the audience, I managed the social media in the morning um, while Seattle was still asleep. Uh So, uh, you know, when people are angry and upset, it's, it's not about, you know, getting mad that they're having a bad day. It's about how you're going to calm them down and get them what they need, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So, um, and then with social media and selling and reaching the audience, it's, very similar to the content I described before. It's how you're going to reach them, what you're going to provide. So yeah, I mean, I I think a little bit differently than most people, and in, in when I create something or if I want to sell. But I mean, I think the industry is moving towards this more and more every year. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yep. yeah, excellent. Um, so you mentioned about you're basically self-taught with with the SEO. Um, mm-hmm. Your SEO stuff. So, um, how did you learn? Uh, you know, when you started, um, you know, did you learn from certain people, or you know, did you sort of just you know read from like sites like Search Engine Watch early on, or how did you uh, sort of pick up all your skills?
1: I read everything, and then I followed the experts, mm-hmm. and then I, I built probably fifty websites on a variety of topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hoping to make affiliate money and other things oh, okay. and then experimenting to see how they would rank.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like how does this work? And so I would build a whole new, I don't know if you remember, but at one point I don't want to even say his name. Somebody at Moz said XML sitemaps don't matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this was before I worked for Moz. Um, and I knew that was crap because I'd built so many websites that did matter, you know? So then just to test out that theory, I built more, you know, mm-hmm. so it's I, I think when you do SEO, you have to actually build websites and do everything from top to bottom to see what's going to impact the rankings. Now, I have not done it in a while and things have changed massively with structured data and everything else. I don't have to build the websites anymore, um, but I do live it and pay attention to it every day for uh, Simrush. Mm-hmm. Which I know you say SEM Rush, but
0: I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, but you know, and and you do it for SCJ, I know, because I saw your presentation at PubCon. I mean, if you are responsible for content, you have got to know how the SEO is working and mm-hmm. how things are ranking. So, um, so yeah, that's basically how I learned was just building and experimenting because that's what you had to do back then, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Um, all right. So first job in SEO, then I guess, uh, was this the, um, the one, it was sort of just freelancing, I'm guessing, right at the start uh, where you yes. just take on your clients. So um, I don't know. So you don't do it as much now, but um, you know, when you started, um, did you find it uh, challenging or, you know, sort of what were, what were some of your early challenges with handling clients or just generally um, back when you started?
1: The biggest challenge was being a woman,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> to
1: be honest with you. Um, some people were great with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't have a lot of problems getting work, but the only battles I had were men who basically told me because I was a woman, I couldn't do SEO. Mm. I didn't have the brain for it. Oh man! They said analytical. Now I took the GRE to get into my master's program and I, actually got a perfect score on the analytical (laughs) section, which wasn't even supposed to count. Um, So no, I can be analytical in my thinking, but uh, I just chose to walk away Mm -hmm. from those. So if I'd have a meeting and they were talking down, I'm like, I don't need your money, so I'm out of here. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that was probably the biggest challenge. And then, you know, when you're a mom and and a wife and you're trying to work and... um, People would always be like, why aren't you trying to go to more conferences? Why aren't you trying to speak at more conferences? It's always been a struggle to be a mom, work, and do that. hmm Absolutely.
0: You know? Yeah. hmm
1: So those would probably be the biggest challenges.
0: Gotcha. Um, so I, I was just looking over your LinkedIn bio today. And so it looks like the first job uh, on here is so uh, – I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Panica? Is that correct? That saying? was the
1: little writing company.
0: That was the writing company, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. And okay. uh that was that was just doing um freelance writing, which um I don't know if you remember Crazed List, which it would doesn't. scan all the it scanned all the Craigslist across the United States. Okay. And I would use the gigs and get work. I had so much work. Oh wow writing it was the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Very cool. And then so you changed and founded SEO Aware in 2008 then? Yes. Okay. And well, what what made you decide that it was, um, you know, to to, to uh, found that company?
1: <laughs> well, I had the blog. And mm-hmm. The blog was doing pretty well. So then I thought, well, I should just make that my business name.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And so from there um because the the other name was too hard for people to pronounce and remember SEO as ways. i just
0: yeah as i just demonstrated yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's dumb about the name like your shows you how dumb i was back then the my husband's and my son's names paul nathan caden it was p-a-n-a-c-a
0: <laughs> oh okay
1: That's how i came up with the name oh, okay. but no one could pronounce it so anyway um but yeah so i i went to seo and, uh it ranked really well mm-hmm. for SEO, especially in the state of Florida, for a long, long time. And, mm-hmm. and it brought me a lot of work also. Cool. Uh,
0: and how, how did you come up with the name SEO Aware? I have always really liked that. I don't know. You don't remember? <laughs> just,
1: I don't remember. I yeah. remember all the good SEO names were taken. And then um, I thought, man, people need to be more SEO aware instead mm. of just, ah. you know, so it just stuck.
0: Cool. Yeah. I
1: have a lot of SEO domain still, Danny.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many do you think you have?
1: <laughs> that, that way too many. I mean, back then, it, remember, yeah. we just bought everything. I I don't even, I'm scared. I can tell you that my bill each year is probably, I think it's about 2300 a year for oh. my domain. hmm Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's some names, though. <laughs> <thing.
1: laughs> it's a tax deduction. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So, cool. So, yeah, you mentioned earlier then uh, somewhere around here that Lauren Baker, the founder of SEJ, approached you. So um, you mentioned that it's not the SEJ that is today. So what was when you started there, what was SEJ like?
1: Well, you know, Lauren had stepped away and was working. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember who the editor was. I'm not trying to insult anyone. But it had, at, Lauren came up and asked me about SEJ, and I said, well, I don't read it anymore. Mm -hmm. when it was lauren running it i read it every day Mm -hmm. because lauren was fantastic like i learned from lauren every day and then he you know had other things going on and trusted editors and the editors were just publishing things that were inaccurate and um you know and i think that's he approached me and said what would you do when i said i don't read it anymore he's like well can you what would you do to it so you would read it and that's the direction we moved in oh okay So, um, Mm -hmm. and it was more about really holding the writers accountable,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, um, and meeting the goals that Lauren had for the company. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a lot different back then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was that was that 2011 or 10? I don't even know.
0: According to LinkedIn, it was 11.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was a while ago.
0: Okay. So at that point, were they doing columns or was it? sort of strictly news or did um, did you add sort of any elements to SCJ uh, once you started or was it more just about like ramping up the uh, the, you know the quality uh, of the content
1: we ramped up the quality Mm -hmm. we noticed that on Fridays we had less content Mm -hmm. or less readers we just had less readers so I started something called Friday humor
0: oh remember remember that. that I do yes
1: um and man, the traffic was insane. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly SEO friendly, but it was it was good for advertisers. Um but sure. it was because people on Friday are burnt out, they're just tired. They don't mm. have it in them to read the in-depth pieces on Friday. Yep. So um I even remember I put Gangnam style when that song came out. It had 800 views on YouTube and I put oh, it on there.
0: Holy crap. That's yeah. like how many billions of views now?
1: I think I looked at it. It was like three billion, three plus billion. Um, really, wow. Mm. Yeah, but it, it was nice. I mean, I think they've taken all that stuff off, but it, it did what we wanted at the time, which was mm-hmm. to bring in traffic and to, sure. and to build the community around the brand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that was the other thing, is to that whole community feel. Like I started doing their social media mm-hmm. and the content, and, you know.
0: So right.
1: it was a fun. Fun time.
0: (laughs) So um, you had a rather unceremonious exit, however, from SEJ that I remember. Uh, I remember, you know, I was at Search Engine Watch at the time. And, you know, I I saw what was happening and I didn't quite grasp what had happened. So um, as much as you feel comfortable, I'd love to get, you know, the inside story of, you know, how you ended up uh, leaving and then briefly coming back. And then leaving again.
1: I think we all just had some different opinions on th- some things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I tell you what though, I will say this: um, I went to my first PubCon to speak after when I was working at SEJ,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Matt Cuts came up to me and said, "Hey, you're doing a really good job turning SEJ around." Mm. <laughs> That was the biggest confidence booster I've ever had in my whole life.
2: That's pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, things, you know, there were some internal issues that we had. And then um, they brought on an editor, which I don't know if you remember, there was a real problem. They had a meltdown. Um, Oh,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Lauren's like, can you come back for a month or two until we find someone? Yeah.
0: Sure. And I remember, like, the entire community was revolting. They just couldn't believe that you were basically... It, felt, it seemed to me that you were forced out, so... And, uh, well, yeah, but...
1: I don't really want to say anything... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to... I, I don't want it, to... It was, it was an uncomfortable moment, but sure. Maz uh, offered me a job. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think within two or three weeks... So mm-hmm. it was like, okay. Yeah. Um, what I, what I appreciated about that moment was that all the community building, um, worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because people were confused and, um, but I don't like to say anything negative. So
0: no, that's fair. But I have but, to ask, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it worked out fine. And, yep. um, and, uh, you guys are rocking it now. So,
0: well, thank yeah. you for that. Um, yeah. So, do you have like a sort of a proudest moment from your SEJ period?
1: My proudest moments. Well, there was the Matt Cuts moment. Sure, but it was when it was when people in the community that I respected were like, "I love what you're doing with the content." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's nothing, and I know you know this feeling. I, as an editor really dislike saying no to people Mm -hmm. i feel guilty about it um because i know some of them have worked very hard you know (laughs) but but the goal is to help the brand right Mm -hmm. so you don't really have a choice so by saying no and no and no and double checking and triple checking and and reaching like a few times when i was at scj i'd reach out to danny sullivan and say does this seem right to you I mean, I really made sure that what we published was correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear different people that I respected in the community appreciate that made me feel like I was doing a good job.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, Very cool. So then you moved on to Moz, um, where you basically took everything you had done at Search Engine Journal and basically, um, did, you know, it was a sort of similar role, correct?
1: Well, I started off as an editor for the UMaz blog.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then they asked, they were like, you know, would you want to do some social stuff? And um, I said, sure. And so I was honored to be put on the community team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, I was a contractor. I wasn't an employee, um, but for them to trust me to um, manage things while they were asleep, <laughs> was, you know, meant a lot to me that they trusted me. Um, and I always give the company credit for uh, they had guides available for us. So let's say that something went wrong or there was a tool problem or whatever. I had a full guide of who to contact and wake up in Seattle mm. should something go wrong, um, which we did have a DDoS attack at one point and everything went down. Oh, wow. And yeah, that was horrifying
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because everybody was so mad. And I uh-huh. had like um, and somebody actually wrote a case study on how I handled it that morning, which I thought was really nice. Oh, wow. But um, but I was able to call everybody that mattered and wake them up mm-hmm. um, and say, help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I learned a lot about social customer service working for them and um, editing. I learned a lot about being a better editor there as well. Mm hmm so
0: yeah very cool um yeah so speaking of editing so I know that we know this because we do it every day but there are just you know so many challenges you know in terms of you know managing and corralling writers and You know, making sure everything's correct and all that, as you've briefly touched on. But um, what what were some of your you know biggest challenges both at SEJ and with Moz, and even in your current uh, role with SEMrush or (laughs) SEMrush? Just in terms of like, what are some of the biggest uh, you know challenges that you face uh, that's sort of like on a daily basis, or just you know things that you see over and over again that are just like you know drive you crazy?
1: Well. Let's see. I mean, it depends on who you're working for and how much content they want.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: At the time, SCJ wanted a certain amount of content every day. Um, and it was hard to come in and say, OK, 80 percent of you that have written are no longer going to be writing. for us. Mm-hmm. And, and finding all new writers and begging them to write quality content.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
1: Um, getting quality content is probably the biggest struggle because what you and I consider quality and what someone who's writing consider quality vastly differ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I understand if someone is new to SEO and they just learned about structured data and they're going to write about it, they think it's new and exciting. But my readers will not right. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they you know, and, and so it's hard to say to them, well, this is a great article. Um, I can't publish it. Right? Mm-hmm. Because we've already published 10 things on this exact topic in, you know, 10 different ways. Um, so there's that thing where I feel bad saying no to people. Um and there's that's part of it, quality content is always the biggest struggle. Um and then as things have grown in this industry, which I'm sure you've seen since your search engine and watch days, mm-hmm. people wanted to write all the time in the past. Mm. They don't have time to do it now.
2: Yep.
1: It's a lot harder for people to have the, the people that I want to write for me to write. Yep. So, you know, you got to start offering money. <laughs> like, right. <"Hey>, man, <laughs> you know, can you can you work it in if we pay you? What about this? You know, so. Um, but at the same time, I call what we experienced for a long time con- uh, content vomiting. It was just mm. content, content, content about everything. And it was so much. And I don't know if you remember in the old days, it would be Search Engine Watch, SEJ, and then three other blogs. We'd all publish the same thing on the same day. Yep.
2: Mm. There was
1: no reason to read all of them because, <laughs> you know, they all basically said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um especially in, in regards to news. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So now it's, it's about better content, more useful content um, and how we're going to reach a reader and provide them what they need in today's world.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and it's, it's just, a, it's more of a challenge and there's a lot more competition out there and, you know, so, so yeah. Um, the other thing is just the, the ability for people to write. I don't know if you've noticed. um, I'd say a lot of what I get, people actually want to write, but they don't know how to write. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes I will re-edit, I will, or edit like mad and make it work. But other times there's just no flow and no structure. And and I don't know what point they're trying to make. And Mm -hmm. so I, it just doesn't work.
0: Sort of very stream of consciousness. I see that all the time. Um, Yeah. What do you, I'm curious about this. I don't think I've ever actually asked you this. Do you, do you have an opinion either way on ghostwriters in this situation where you have someone who wants to write but isn't very good at writing? Do you, are you, do you feel okay with people who ghostwrite? Because I know that goes on a lot in this industry. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't mind ghostwriting at all. Yeah. Um, I would prefer a ghostwriter help someone create a great piece of content mm-hmm. um, based off of the person's ideas. You know, Mm, um, even with post-writing, for it to be done well, it takes the two of them working together. It is always obvious to me when someone who I've heard speak and has great experience submits an article or has someone submit an article for them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It is not up to their level of expertise. It stands out. Mm -hmm. And then I know they they didn't actually write it. Right. Um, Mm
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if they know that you and I or other editors can tell, but it is pain, <laughs> it is painfully obvious um, that it is not, it wasn't a collaborative effort.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's happened many times to me as well. I've seen it. It's just like, this isn't up to your usual standard what's going on here. So, uh, you know. So, yeah. Yep. I've definitely experienced that. All right. Um, let's see. What else here? So, after Moz, which you left in 2015, you then went on to... Oh, actually, wait. So you were at Authority Labs at the same time as Moz? I was. Oh, so how did that <laughs> Two work? Two
1: companies at one time.
0: <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you're doing that now, too, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I didn't realize you were doing both of those at the same time. So uh, yeah. it, it was sort of the same role at both places where you're managing the community and editing uh, for, the, for the blog content. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: And, uh, they were two totally different companies. I mean, Moz was more corporate
2: mm-hmm. and
1: Authority labs was about as much fun as I've ever had.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they introduced me to fireball. So oh, um, fireball. I think yeah. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the authority labs guys were a lot of fun. I know the company sold, I don't know the new people, but mm-hmm. they were a fun group to work with.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, so after that, then you went on to, how did the PubCon um, role sort of develop? Because I know you had been presenting there. Um, had you been doing, like, some stuff with Brett um, prior to taking the official role, or was that sort of a new thing well, that they were looking to do?
1: Well, I remember I was at SMX Advanced. I can't remember what year it was. Um, and Brett got on the phone with me and said he needed someone to run social during the conference and I couldn't go that year and speak. So I, I ran it for him that year, which was great. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I actually reached out to Brett and a few other people and told them that I was looking for a change. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, um, Brett's like, can I call you? And I was like, yeah. And then he said, I have wanted to work with you for a while, but I didn't want to be someone who took you from another company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, and he's like, "But if you're interested." And to me, that was the pinnacle. That was, I mean, I loved Brett. I loved PubCon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, I loved the people at PubCon. I loved the speakers and the attendees. And so, it to me, it was like the perfect fit, the perfect job. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, everyone knows the serious Brett. I get to see the other side.
0: Oh, he (laughs) has another side?
1: Oh. Uh, He's as goofy and funny as they come. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and and he's a massive supporter of women, which Mm -hmm. I really like. Uh, But, uh, so, yeah, for me, that was one of the most exciting moments career-wise, was getting hired to work with Brett. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: One thing that I love... Oh, oh, go, oh, no, please go ahead.
1: No, I just, I love the community. I love the people, and it's it's still just as fun and, and fulfilling today as it was when he hired me. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how has the roles evolved for you, or has it pretty much been the same um, since you started, or have you tried to, like, add in um, anything new and exciting uh, or anything that has really worked well for, uh, you know, helping PubCon grow over the years?
1: I don't I think when you're a community manager the job is going to be different for whoever you work for. Mm-hmm. There, I guess what I did not expect so much um, when Brett hired me was the level of one-on-one um, how would I phrase this? <laughs> Concern that is required for everyone that is there. Okay, okay, so uh, speakers, I mean, over the years, they have dealt with tragedies that you would never imagine, Mm -hmm. and they show up to speak and they need a little extra something, you know. Um, or if something happens behind the scenes, Brett is always wanting to make sure that a speaker knows we care, or Mm. you know, um attendees have the same situation i had an attendee one year whose husband cheated on her while she was there Mm. (laughs) like like things that you would not anticipate would be your job
2: Mm -hmm. are
1: because anybody who is at that conference i feel like is my responsibility like that they are cared for that they feel appreciated and you've been in the networking events there are some that just sit off to the side and don't step forward whether because they're introverted or they're shy or They've had a bad day and I always feel like I need to reach out and be like, Hey, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. You no. Know, do you want to meet anyone? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what can I do? Um, because I want them to walk away with a, a great experience. But um, the amount of people that I meet, especially in Vegas in the three or four day period is so many, Danny, I can't barely keep up, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and then like, I remember one keynote speaker and if he hears this, he'll know who he was. <laughs> the day of his keynote, wrote me a message on Facebook and was like, is a do you think a, a white button down is fine or should I go blue? <laughs> 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 <It's> just <laughs> you never know. You just it's all like a it's a fluid movement one situation to a next situation or Uh, This speaker has a headache, a bad one, and they don't know if they can speak and bringing them Tylenol or, you know,
2: Mm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: so it's a different, it's a hands on community management while I'm there. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
1: throughout the year when we're not at the conference, it's um, answering every possible question that I can. Mm -hmm. And what surprised me, um, and you may know this. I mean, I I haven't shared it overly publicly, but I have a child with Asperger's. and what surprises me is how many people in this industry are on the spectrum and need things that we wouldn't, I guess, if I hadn't known my son, I wouldn't be able to anticipate. You know, like, well, can you help me figure this out before I get there? Or where where can be a place where I can just have peace and quiet for a minute? Or, mm. you know, it's little things, Um that really shock you and like brett has a a room for breastfeeding mothers and i remember when he told me that i was like really and you would not believe how many people each year use it it's like i mean so there's just there's little things that i've learned along the way um but yeah it's it's a different kind it's more one-on-one which i like but so yeah I don't know if I answered your question. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, we had an interesting conversation in Fort Lauderdale at PubCon, um, and I know you're not on the the selection committee, um, you know, for Mm -hmm. picking speakers, but we had an interesting conversation because, you know, one of the big questions a lot that, you know, I, I hear this a lot just when I attend PubCon, you know, the question is always, why aren't there more female speakers? And mm-hmm. I just wanted to give you the floor so you could answer that question, because you know it's one I hear a lot. Um, and you're okay. you know, just hearing it from you at the show is very uh, enlightening to me. So I'd love to just give you the floor to just talk about that really quick,
1: okay. Well, Brett and I, and everybody involved, works very hard to reach out to female speakers and get them to pitch, okay? Mm-hmm. There's people. I've probably, and there's women listening to this that know, I've probably reached out to 40 or 50 women asking them to pitch for Vegas this year. But they all have different situations. Like, I can't this year. Um, I'll be X amount of pregnant, or I've got too much work, or I have a child with special needs, or there's a variety of reasons why Mm -hmm. women can't. Um, Then you have the other issue of, You do have some women pitching, but we have a level of expertise that we want to stick to, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not going to place someone who just started SEO this year talking about advanced structured data, right, Mm -hmm. against someone who's got 15 years of it. Now, if we had women that have, you know, however many long years of everything pitching, then it would be easier, but we just don't. We don't have them, um, and I wish that we did, but women are often the caretakers. And There's a lot of women that run agencies and are a mom, and they don't have time to even take a shower most days. Right? So to say we need you to take a week and go to Vegas is not always an option for them. Um, but uh The the number one goal at PubCon is attendee education and at a very high level. It's why Vegas is called PubCon Pro. Um, So when pitches come through, it doesn't we don't look at them. This is a man or this is a woman. The pitches are given out as just the pitch to to start like, okay, which one who wrote? And it seems like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing you and I see in content, Danny, where you can see that they may have read an article and they think they can talk about it versus the little nitty gritty things that let you know they're a pro or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So once those are handpicked out, then then it goes into, OK, who wrote it? What is their What, what experience do they have speaking? Where have they spoken before? You know, that kind of thing. Mm hmm. But I don't know what else I said to you in Florida that I might have forgotten. Oh, no,
0: that was it. It was just, you know, I think people just assume that there are lots of females pitching, but, you know, they're just not getting picked. And I just wanted you to get it, you know, get that out there that, you know, we just need more females to pitch if they want to, you know, if we want to have more female speakers, need need them to have the knowledge and just pitch, you know, if they can. You know, obviously it's different for everyone, so.
1: Right, and I have. I'm always here to talk with anybody, which I do all the time. How to set up their pitch? People send me their pitches all the time, and I'll tell them if I think it's good enough or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. So, I uh, want to also briefly touch on. Of course, you're the uh, U.S. blog editor for Semrush, which I will uh, defer <laughs> to your your pronunciation, even though it's wrong. Um, Everybody
2: says it differently. <laughs>
0: Uh, so yeah, so you started that in April of 2017. So um, how, how did you end up deciding to work with them and how has that experience been?
1: Um, actually, Alita Solis um, connected us. Oh, okay. And um, it has been, I was not expecting what I got, which um, I work with the um, the office in St. Petersburg the most. And they are brilliant wonderful people um what i love about the company is and i and i've had the same thing with brett okay Mm -hmm. uh, at pubcon but as for a big corporate company they are i have never been talked down to as a woman Mm -hmm. or mansplained or disrespected and we're talking over 500 employees they are gracious and respectful mm. and, and that is a pleasure. You know,
2: mm-hmm. it doesn't matter
1: which meeting you go into or which, um, which group you're working with. Uh, it's just, it's been amazing to me. I think that a lot of people, um, when they speak with people from different countries, they assume that they might be rude but they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just their manner of speaking is different than Americans. We are overly wordy and try very hard to be overly polite, and they're very sometimes matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So if you can get past your "this is," this is how they should be talking to me, and just listen. You know, you have no problem. Right. Um, so no, it's been a great working experience. It's um, it was a little hard. I went in. And there were probably 30 articles scheduled that I wrote to people and, and a co-editor, Alex, and told them we wouldn't be publishing their content.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we we went in and revamped everything. Mm-hmm. The, the rules, uh, the publication rules, um, everything for guest writers. It's been a slow process because, you know, it takes a while to find new writers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um so overall, it's been it's been good. It's different. I mean, you know, with the something as big as Simrush, you just you have higher responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's terrifying because you know you know the feeling. If you publish something that isn't 100 percent correct, you're going to get nailed for oh, it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: so it's a different uh, it's a different pressure. Yes. So while I'm not actively doing SEO, I do have to read everything that comes in and make sure it's a hundred percent valid. So, um, so yeah, you have to have knowledge of SEO to be a, an editor for a SEO blog.
0: Now for you, since you've been doing editing for so long, um, do you, do you approach it in a different way from like maybe when you first started where, you know, it's like we, we've we probably read and edited the same articles over and over, you know, in slightly different forms. Like, do you yep. ever get to the point where you're just like, well, you know, I can't publish this just because I've seen it so much at this point? Like, because it, well, yeah, seems, like, it seems like definitely with, with SEMrush that you're, you know, really trying to get different um, content that just hasn't been, you know regurgitated everywhere so uh which i I imagine must be a huge challenge for you too
1: it is i mean i if we already have and you know google's even saying less content clean up get rid of the old posts Mm -hmm. you know um we need something that is different 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 if we've already talked about it three times even if it's from a different direction is this going to add anything to what is already on our blog? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, we don't do it. And if that means we publish less, we publish less. Right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So while it has irritated people because they think, well, if you're a guest blog, you should allow any guest post in. That's just not how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um it has to have a unique insight and be different. And our goals are clearly different than a a goals of like SEJ. You guys publish a lot throughout the day. You have, you know, our goals are different, you know? Mm Um, and we have a different distinct more, like we have a, an audience that uses our tools that lean towards advanced. And if we want them to keep reading the blog, we have to provide them what they're, they're wanting.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and we know what they like, and uh, and that's what we try to give them.
0: Right. Excellent. So, yeah. All right. So let's move along from, uh, from that to speaking. Um, okay. Now let's see. So do you remember – all right. So let's start with, like, uh, you in the early days. So, like, if you had to c- sort of compare, like, how you did at the start versus where you're at now, like, you know – maybe take us back a little bit through how you've evolved as a speaker, um, over the years. Cause you know, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's like, you know, they, they just see you as like this polished person, but everyone starts from somewhere. So, um, yeah, like when you started speaking, like how have you seen yourself evolve and improve since then? Or do you think, you know, do you think you have improved a lot? Cause I've even spoken to some people who are like, Oh no, I still stink. <laughs> but, uh, I,
1: yeah, I don't know if I've improved. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think like the first time I spoke at pubcon, I had a very specific deck where I talked about very specific things. Um, but I knew from the beginning because I'd been an attendee that I wanted to provide information that they could take back and use. I have stuck to that. Mm -hmm. Um, my opinion doesn't matter overall. What matters is that they have stuff that they can legit take back. Um, I've been to a couple of conferences, Danny, and I won't name them, uh, the place, but where I didn't learn one thing the entire time I was there. Mm. And I went to sessions every hour. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to come to my session, I want it to be, well, you might not need all of this, but here are at least two tips that you took from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether it be a tool or a strategy or a thing to avoid. I'm I like to be more tactical. I have found that the more I speak, the faster I speak. So if I'm going to be speaking for 25 or 30 minutes, I usually have at least 90 slides. Mm. And even then, even with practicing ahead of time, which I do, I move faster on stage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know if I'm any better or not, but I do try to provide as much information as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really a goal of mine, but it, it also depends on who's speaking, or who's in the room. I mean, yeah. So, like, when I was in Austin at PubCon, I was had the whole crowd laughing. It was a great time. We were having fun, and Brett walks in and sits down,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it totally threw me off.
2: <laughs>
1: when our Brett's here, my boss is here. Don't screw up, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and oh, and then in Florida, Lee Odin walked in and sat in my session. Oh, wow. Totally screwed me up. How can you speak in front of Lee,
2: right? <laughs>
1: um But he said no. I, you know, he doesn't want that. He's the same way, you know. So I think everyone who speaks just has to know. Some days you're going to have good days. Sometimes you're not. But as long as the information is there for the the attendees, as long as you remember they're paying to be there, so you have to give them something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're you're okay. Yeah. Um. But it does, It sometimes I think this is a joke, this is easy, and then, like I said, somebody will walk in, and then all of a sudden you're nervous. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I have to take a drink of water, but um, <laughs> I tend to be a perfectionist, so I spend way too much time on my slide
0: decks. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, but and I try not to be boring. I don't want to be boring.
0: No. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, every time I've seen you, I've never been bored, That's for, that's for sure. So would your best piece of advice for people to speak at conferences be more Marvel memes or (laughs) what? what
1: As long as it's something, you know, psychology says that people will remember things that are important if there's an image associated with it.
2: Right. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Your best memories have some kind of snapshot in your brain, Mm -hmm. a visual snapshot. So you make a presentation less boring. Um, You know, but the other thing I would say to people that I see that are not making it into conferences are their conference pitches, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. to come in and say, I will talk about SEO. I've done this particular, I've like, uh, I've worked on let's say uh, structured data for four years and I know everything about it and I'm great at it and I can teach people things isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Like um, when people come in and say, well, this is what I want to talk about. Here's what I will teach. And here's what people will walk away with. And it's long and detailed. Then your pitch stands out. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to stand out if you wrote three or four lines of why you want to talk about it Mm -hmm. versus when then, you know, just imagine you've got eight SEO pitches laying there and this guy wrote four sentences and this one wrote us a guide of what he's going to say and it's detailed who's going to get in.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
1: So that would, that's what I would tell people that want to speak is take the time with the pitch, take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a job interview because if a conference is going to take the risk of putting you there as a first time speaker, they have to know that you really know your stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, so yeah. Well, that's the one big thing.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Uh, any tips for networking? Like, what have you found anything that works really well um, for you?
1: Be nice. Yeah. It's not. Um, you know, we're living in a, a different time. Like I've noticed in the last few years, where um, people are trying to create a personality based off of always angry you know, they're angry about this or they're angry about that. And they're trying to be a social warrior for a cause. And while they're trying to do it, they're offending half the people that see them. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: We can all fight for causes, but it's the way that you do it. So um, whether you are on social media or you are in person, um, just be honest and be nice and be you. The one, you know, this is a, different kind of community we are all geeks like
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) majority of us are geeky people and if you walk into a group of geeks trying to be fancy and miss hollywood or mr gq you're kind of not gonna fit Mm we don't we don't need that we want you right Mm -hmm. um but uh the other thing that i've really enjoyed and has made it easier for everybody. Like at events, is when people just walk up and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm Joe, and I have severe social anxiety, but I wanted to say hi." Right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: They're,
1: they're, with those hundred percent honest people, put the whole group of these, and then you'll see someone like five people chime in and say, "I've got social anxiety too." I just I've known them for five years.
2: Right? Yep.
1: And then everybody can can just chat and be themselves. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing is don't be afraid to be you. Your uniqueness is what's going to make people want to network with you. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, yep. um, so don't put on a, a face or a mask because it just, it comes across fake. Yep. Yep.
0: All right. Um, how do you stay up to date with, uh, you know, SEO and marketing these days? Are there any resources, uh, websites or anything that you would recommend? Uh, are people listening to check out?
1: I read everything. Oh
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> like
1: I mean, I'm not saying I read your site for competitive reasons, Danny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I do. Either. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to read varying opinions, mm-hmm. right? Sure. To get a whole, to get a whole picture, so um, I keep an eye on everything that Google writes about, no matter what and you can't always take what Google says as word. You have to take what they don't say and think about that. Um, but I compare that to what is said like on SCJ or by one of our authors or by one of the tech blogs or, you know, um, mm-hmm. the other key thing is to really follow the true and knowledgeable experts on social media and pay attention to what they are stating about a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um people like Marie Haynes who break down everything for you and Glenn Gabe,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Um, and I remember Danny, the first time Glenn Gabe came to SEJ and submitted a post. Oh, wow. And look <laughs> at Glenn now, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but I, I pay attention. Um, part of your job as an SEO is to spend a certain amount of time reading and paying attention to the experts mm-hmm. and, I remember my husband used to be like, you're on social media all the time. Why? And, well, that's one of your biggest learning tools. Mm-hmm. If you're following the right people. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Um, so um, it really, it's a harder job because, you know, if you're doing something else, you don't have to pay attention to all the algorithm changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it is what it is. And um, you have to know. You have to know what's changing on Facebook, Instagram, Google. Even LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. you know, you just have to know. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'd say anything specific. I'd say read everything you can. Gotcha.
0: Good advice. Okay, reader question. Uh, Dave Rohrer of Northside Metrics. Uh, We had talked about how you were a volunteer for Big Cat Habitat and uh, Gulf Mm -hmm. Coast Sanctuary. Um, So he wanted to know, what is your favorite big cat? Is it a lion, tiger, panther, or something else?
1: My favorite was Brutus the Liger. Mm. Half, half lion, half tiger. Now I don't agree. I don't agree with the way that they create these animals. Most people don't know that they keep trying to create them. About 80% of them um, don't live mm. when they're born. Oh wow. Um, and sadly, they're so big that unless they have like another male to be with that they won't battle, they always have to be alone
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they're too big. You know, so but I played peekaboo with a 1,500-pound liger, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he was the sweetest animal I have ever met in my whole life, Mm. Um, and then uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know if you saw that movie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the lion in the beginning, Mm -hmm. I was his um, hair-scrubbing slave for a while. Oh, wow. He liked his head. Skirt. He would actually get up and turn around and turn to the other side. So I'd scrub the other side.
2: Oh, wow. he's actually
1: passed away. Part of the reason I stopped really going out there is because it killed me to see the animals pass away. Yeah. Mm. But, um. but yeah, so Liger definitely Ligers and lions. I love tigers. I do, but Ligers and lions are about the sweetest things. Mm-hmm. If they like you.
0: Yep. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> That's the key. All right. Okay. Uh, fun question. If you weren't in search, what would you love to be doing instead?
1: Uh, working with big cats mm-hmm. or in, or in real estate. Oh, in real estate. Okay. I love real estate. Like when I am done with work, um, I am either going through Zillow and looking at real estate or looking at uh, interior design. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. So.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't know
1: how. Maybe it's an old person thing that's where I've turned into. I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, what is the best piece of uh, advice that's ever been given to you about? It could be SEO, marketing, or just like general business or professional advice. And who gave it to you? Best
1: I'd say Brett Tapkey. Okay. The best, the best advice he gave me was rock the boat. Mm. Don't, you know, like, don't be afraid to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and why I liked that was he didn't tell me to go in and conform and find a way to fit. He's mm-hmm. like, "You came here, you rocked the boat, go rock the boat there. And I was like, okay. Mm. <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah. Um, That's perfect for you. And
1: <laughs> it is perfect for me. It is. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I'm also a big fan of game theory, Mm -hmm. so I suggest people read up on that as well.
0: (laughs) Very
1: cool. (laughs) Kind of like the psychology, but yeah. Okay, go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, Worst piece of SEO advice that you've ever heard or you're still hearing that needs to die?
1: LSI. Yes,
0: I thought you'd say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm so sick of... I don't know why it's still being talked about. Uh, the first year I was at Simrush, I actually reached out to Bill Swalski and said, "Will you please write a post about LSI, so I can send it to people and tell them that they're what they're saying is wrong?" And he did. And Danny, I must have—I've probably emailed that to, to at least five hundred authors mm-hmm. in the last year. Wow. Um, And what's funny is I actually had one guy say to me, "Can you have a male editor read this? Because he'll understand." Oh my
2: god! And I was
1: like, "No, there are no male editors." (laughs) Oh my god! Um, Here's a link to Bill's post that you should read. That will explain what I'm saying to you. Um, But yeah, LSI um, is still the one that's sticking around. And how long has that been? Uh,
0: I don't even know. It's gonna be what 15 years past.
1: now (laughs) and you know what i'll be honest with you i wrote about lsi when it was first a discussion i was wrong about it and aaron wall reached out to me and told me Mm -hmm. i was wrong Mm. and he wasn't mean about it i i I so appreciated that's how i learned Mm -hmm. right yep um and so i think we need to do that nowadays we need to reach out to people in a kind way and say hey just want to maybe point this out, but they're, it's so diverse. Danny, you know, I mean, we're getting yep. writers from all around the world.
2: Yeah. And, mm-hmm.
1: and they don't always believe you when you say so, yeah, LSI.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about it back when I was at Search Engine Watch at some point. I probably want to say like 2009 or 10. And I asked um, both Mike Green and Jonathan Allen, who were there at the time, about it. And they're just like, oh, it's bullshit. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I think yep. Moz was early on promoting it, and I don't know who on Moz, but someone I think that's where I first heard about it. So
1: it found its feet. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing that bothers me is that we have, and I'm hoping you don't hear more. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, a number of well known people in our industry that continue to discuss things that are not technically accurate, mm-hmm. and the community believes it and. They don't seem to understand that they don't care what they write because they're making money.
0: Right. right? Mm-hmm.
1: So when you choose someone to follow, you have to choose carefully. And if you've got half of the SEO industry saying they don't like a person, there's a reason.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. Yep.
1: They have a reason why they don't like them. Yep. So um, they're not just being mean. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> it comes from so, a good place, even though it may not look like it. Right. Yes. It's more about, you know, it's more about protecting the industry than any individual, which is, you know, a really cool thing about, about our industry. Yeah. Even though there, you know, there are obviously some egos, but, you know, ultimately, I think it's really not about tearing some down rather than protecting, you know, the reputation of our industry.
1: Yes. Cool.
0: Okay. Next question. If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what would it be?
1: Hmm. I think I took more crap than I should have.
2: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I
1: felt like, well, I need to build a reputation. I need to build um, a name in this industry. And so, you know, I didn't have to be rude about it, but I didn't need to take it.
2: Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then
1: the other thing would be not to look up two people just because they have a big name
2: Mm
1: -hmm. because sometimes you find out that the person you thought was a hero is clearly not one.
2: Mm.
1: Right. Yep. I tend to, I tend to always have a positive outlook, like love everybody, accept everybody. And that's a good way to be. But I was a champion for a few people who I deeply regret being champ, a champion for. Mm I, I, you know what I mean? I should have. Sure. Yeah, I kind of was like, well, these people are being negative, and I'm not a negative person. Well, they had a full reason to be negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think those would be the two.
0: So, um, for for newcomers to the industry... What's your best advice for someone who wants to become, you know, pretty successful and you know sustain that success over time? What, what do you think would be, you know, either the most important thing or a couple important things that uh, people should should strive toward doing?
1: Um, I think the people who bust out is is new people that are, you know, people you want to watch are the ones that are, um exciting and always kind and fun to be around even you know even on social media you enjoy seeing their tweets Mm -hmm. and at the same time they are educating and educating and sharing helpful information and I mean not the same stuff that I mean if you're talking to SEOs they already know a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. but if you're you're saying you know what I just saw this um, in the SERPs and I'm not quite sure if this is new or not, but this could work this way or whatever, you know, just something. So you're contributing to the knowledge of the community Mm -hmm. in some way or another. Uh, I think that would be the way to go.
0: What are you most excited about in SEO or marketing right now?
1: Well, I've noticed that, uh, some content that is, um, less like a less lengthy is doing pretty darn well (laughs) and i like that Mm. it's not that i know that there's a lot of posts that are great danny that are like three to five thousand words
2: Mm -hmm. right yep
1: but to see smaller posts ranking and they don't have to have a lot they're just full of information you need i I like that um but um I'm excited to see where video goes. I'm excited to, um, I'm, it, it's hard because I feel like we have, we're we in this really weird moment where, um, society believes anything they read on the internet or social media, mm-hmm. um, to the point that it's terrifying what they will believe, um, but i'm and i'm I'm kind of hoping that we're gonna steer into um, validity and knowledge, true knowledge over false information.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of feel like that that's going to be more important in the future. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so we'll see.
0: Yep. all right. Yeah. I have some I have some reader questions. Um, okay, of course as, as I always do I put the word out on all my social networks. So I want to share uh, a Few questions that caught my eye. So uh, you mentioned Aleda earlier. So Aleda uh, uh, For those people who might not know which you absolutely should know Aleta uh, Solis is a brilliant interna- international SEO consultant uh, her question for you was what are the most common writing mistakes that you see that people do in their blog posts and how should, how can we, how can they address those problems?
1: Well, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but I see a lot of articles where the writer writes as though the reader knows what's going on in their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not filling in the blanks. Yep. And when I ask writers to fill in the blank, they say, well, you should know this. And I do know it, but the the reader does not. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So, Um, I think the best writing tip I ever got from a teacher was like in the fifth grade. And he said like, write it like you're trying to teach your mother or your younger brother or something, how to do or learn or understand something. Right.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, that is a big mistake. A lot of people don't fact check. They just read something, they believe it and they write it again. Mm
2: -hmm. That
1: bugs me to death. Um, I hate and I mean this, Danny, if you want to see me rage, rehash content is it. <laughs> I, I hate rehash content. Um, no one needs to see your version of something that has already been written 2000 times. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to get ignored, to ruin your reputation. Um, and Google isn't going to rank it anyway. So it's just a waste of everybody's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are some big common problems. Um I think people just need to create something that's different and useful. Um, you can still cover a topic that's been discussed a lot, but you have to find a different way to pull people in. And I and I see people do it really like Casey Marquis is brilliant mm-hmm. when he's talking about like recipe websites. I mean, he's made a niche for himself. Like, you know, who if you have a, a recipe or a food-related blog, you go to Casey. Mm-hmm. So he's still talking about structured data and schema, but in a specific niche or niche. So I I do it that way. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your lawyers. Tell me about your restaurants. Tell me about your car dealership in a different way. Mm-hmm. Then it's not boring and it's new and helpful. Right. So
0: great. Uh, yep. She also asked, uh, based on your experience, what's the best best way to deal with social media trolls?
1: Well, for businesses, I would say to first of all, stay calm. (laughs) Um, uh, You shouldn't have anyone running your business social media that doesn't have a good temperament, for one. Mm -hmm. But if you have someone that's complaining about your company or something that they did, you need to show the public that you're trying to address it in a calm and professional manner. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Getting mad and arguing with them isn't going to make you look any better. And people are watching and you'll end up in like a my presentations (laughs) (laughs) or in an article. Um, Comcast ended up on CNN news one time. So um, I tell people to try and move it offline, phone or email. Trolls will typically not do that because their goal is to make you look bad on social media. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: But after you've made it clear enough to the public that you have tried to make every attempt to fix a problem and they just won't work with you, you can step away. But for... Let's say industry trolls or personal trolls, um, sometimes you have to state your opinion and set things right publicly, Mm -hmm. you know, make your voice heard. But sometimes it's just best to avoid. Just don't even acknowledge because they're there to argue and they argue better than you do. (laughs)
2: So.
1: Yeah, but um, you can state your opinion and walk away. But usually, trolls have a group of trolls that jump on you at the same time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, continuing on the social media uh, topic, uh, Mary Davies of Beanstalk Internet Marketing uh, wants to know: On a typical day of using social media, how many times do you have to bite your tongue and not uh, <laughs> <laughs> not reply to something? <laughs> Uh, 98% ah. <laughs> I keep
1: my mouth shut yep.
0: Um,
1: because first of all do they even want to hear my opinion? Most of the time, no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are they the type of people that are going to be willing to hear my opinion most of the time? No. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's just not worth my sanity to even get involved. Now, you have seen it. Other people have seen it. There are times I fight for a cause mm-hmm. um, and I try very calmly to explain my view but um, I found that it's just it's not my heart doesn't like it right <laughs> I get all stressed out so I, I keep my mouth shut a lot
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay uh, more reader questions uh, Nava Hopkins from WordStream want to know what are your three biggest turnoffs in content pitches very specific number there so <laughs> three, yeah, apparently uh, you have to do three
1: let okay, let me think well the number one is I write about SEO food travel <laughs> and oh, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I write about everything and I can write a high quality article for you uh no, you can't um <laughs> number two um I will write this for you and you will give me a link mm-hmm. nope. No, I won't. Um, and I don't do well with anyone telling me what I will do anyway. <laughs> so you've already turned me off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the ones that are clearly templated and not customized at all for me. So you can tell they haven't read. And then they're asking for publisher guidelines. Mm. Google it. Google it. Yep. If you... Um, Google Semrush Publishing Guidelines or Semrush Guest Post Guidelines. We're right there. Mm-hmm. I should not have to send it to you. You should look for it and then reach out to me. Yep. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Because then
1: we're just wasting everybody's time.
0: Yep.
1: Um, those would be my top three.
0: Absolutely. That's like it's like we get the same emails. It's 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 surprising all
1: the time. <laughs>
0: Oh, my. Okay. Yep. Um, Dave Rohrer had another good question, so he gets a double. Um, as an editor for others and yourself, what tips do you have for people who have to be their own editor?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, use something like Grammarly <laughs> to start mm-hmm. and the Hemingway app so you yep. know what level you're writing at. Um, and a lot of people say ask someone else to read it, and I agree, but I would say add parameters to it. Okay, you need to say, if you're going to read this, I need you to be 100% honest and tell me, was this easy to read? Right? Mm-hmm. Was it hard for you to get through the whole thing? Because if it was, it usually means it's choppy. You know, does, does one paragraph flow into the other easily? Were you confused? You know, was there a structure that allowed you to know where you were going throughout the article? Um, I mean, the worst thing to try and get through is a choppy piece of content. Mm-hmm. So those would be two of the big things. Um, And then I don't know when I did it on my own, I always have someone read it. (laughs) My But uh, (laughs) then maybe compare your article to similar articles to make sure you've covered your bases Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then fact check, fact check everything you state. Yes. Every. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Good advice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's see. One more. Uh, Alex Ratinsky of make bank blogging one to know, are there any certain types of content that you always see perform extremely well? I guess this could be like throughout your, uh, career, but
1: yeah, I would would Um, imagine
0: probably like more recently would be more relevant.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that the content that I see do the best is the, actionable how-to content. Of course, I'm looking at a specific kind of reader, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so something that educates and meets a need mm-hmm. is the content that I see not only do well with readers, but do does well with search engines. Um, content that doesn't have a lot of fluff. Like sometimes, you know, Danny, some people will send you an intro that is like five paragraphs long and nobody cares. Yeah. Just get through, you know, I tell people all the time, take the article and remove everything that you think isn't needed and then send it back to me.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Yep.
1: Um, and, and so, um, less is more get to the point Mm -hmm. and, and provide something to people that they need or want, uh, giving a solution and step-by-step information on how to reach that solution is great. And you can look at YouTube and find out, why your pool has bubbles coming out of it and how to fix it. You mm-hmm. know, um, the how-to information, I think, is is still very valid.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's
1: what I like the best.
0: Good. Yep. Cool. Uh, last reader question. Uh, how do you think that AI and machine learning will impact the way that content is created uh, moving forward? Uh, have you Have you given any thought to this?
1: I have. Well, we already know there's a lot of content written out there in videos that are created by ai they are not great yet Mm -hmm. but they also danny have less fluff and are to the point Mm
2: -hmm. right yep
1: um they are going to improve but they currently lack the structure and flow that a human writer can create um i don't know if that will improve or not um And it's kind of what I said before about certain demographics believing whatever they see on social media or or Google. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about value or facts. They just want information and AI is going to provide a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think in the future, perhaps we use AI to gather data for research purposes for a piece of content, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not going to be able to people like this industry are not gonna be able to use AI to create a solid article. There's just no possible way. Um, But for other industries, you're gonna have to find a way to stand out and be better than the AI content, quick, to the point, helpful information that a human can relate to, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say you're talking about AI writes a lot of articles about the facts of specific new cars being released, right? Mm -hmm. So let's take the 2020 GLS 450 that's there's been a lot of AI articles written lately from them um, like on that car. Mm -hmm. You need a human perspective because the human perspective is actually going to be able to sell the benefits of the car. Right. Mm -hmm. AI is only going to give you facts. But for some people who just want the facts, I mean, I I think it's going to improve and we're just going to have to find a way to be better.
0: Cool. Oh, and I should credit that was Lee Wilson of Vertical Leap who asked that question. Okay. Um, Cool. And then uh, just two more questions for you from me. Um, What's next for Melissa Fosh?
1: I don't know, man. I'm just (laughs) trying to keep going and uh, make it through my day. I I, I give Simrush five hours a day, PubCon five hours a day. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. Right now I'm I'm working to get ready for PubCon Vegas. Mm-hmm. It'll be a long few months for us. Um, and uh, Simrush, we are just, you know, I mean, you know the content game. It's a constant all day trying to make it work. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I have anything exciting. Well. I just I just work a lot.
0: Yep. So, <laughs> Nothing wrong.
1: Maybe I'll win the lottery.
0: It could happen, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yep. Very cool. Uh, And then my final question is just where can people find you on uh, social media uh, if they want to connect with you? And is there anything uh, in particular that you want people to check out of yours that, uh, you know, some content you published or anything?
1: No, I think the best place to interact with me is on um, Twitter at at SEO where I don't approve people I don't know on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So if you want me to approve you on LinkedIn, you got to start talking to me on Twitter. Uh, because I need to know who you are um, and then uh, I don't think that I have anything new content wise well I'm doing these like recaps of the Simrush chat post <laughs> that's mm-hmm. about all I'm, I'm doing right now um, but uh, I actually am enjoying it because I'm learning I'm meeting a bunch of the Simrush chat and the Simrush community and mm-hmm. um, but other than that, I'm not really creating content. I'm just behind the scenes working. So right. but I do chat on Twitter all the time. And and if you get Danny and I together at PubCon, we might drink Fireball with you. Yes. <laughs> did you even drink Fireball?
0: We did in Have Fort it. Lauderdale. We did. We did. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> <to. Okay.
1: laughs> there was a lot flowing. I don't remember who all drank, but yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, but um. So yeah, we'll I. What a time. Uh, a good time. <laughs> um. But yeah. So that's that's the best place to find me.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, that was all my questions. So uh, just in closing, uh, Melissa, I want to thank you for doing what is often a thankless job uh, as an editor. And, you know, throughout your career, you've been one of the guardians of the SEO galaxy. Um, you know you Mm -hmm. see bullshit you call bullshit and you know you don't publish said bullshit and I respect the hell out of you for that Um, so thank you for helping to steer the industry and the in the right way and away from so much of the crap that otherwise might see the light of day Um, and of course you know through uh, editing you know, the work of so many people and all the great stuff that you shared over the years and speaking at PubCon, you you know, you've impacted the lives and careers of thousands of SEO pros and marketers who are better off because of you. Um, And, you know, even more than that, I mean, you're just a good person and you're someone I respect the heck out of. I'm so grateful um, for all that you've done and will keep doing in the future. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you for all that. And I see you should come talk to my kids. Tell Mom. I'm great.
0: <laughs> I'm available live, okay. man, so, you know,
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> if you ever need one.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. All right. So, Melissa, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Uh, that does it for us. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in again next week for more great interviews on the Search Engine Journal show. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, and of course, you can follow us on search at at SE Journal on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and if you want to follow me, I am Mr. Danny Goodwin on Twitter. Uh, So long, everybody, and thanks again for listening.